morning. I don't know if it's morning for you right now, but it is 5.36 a.m. for me, so it's nice and early. And it's been over a month since my last episode, so I'm really excited to be back on here. And something that's really been on my heart lately is the Spirit's desire to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to know the truth. There's so much deception all around us, and there's so much fear right now. There's so much divisiveness, which is an amazing opportunity for us to speak truth. This is really exciting, and it's a powerful time for us to step into transformation and speak each other up into our identities as sons and daughters of the King. And you know what's even cooler is that we get to do this for people who don't yet know Jesus as King. What a beautiful cultural moment it is that we live in. And when I mention deception, yes, I'm speaking about the outright lies that can be in our faces every day, but right now I'm thinking most about the partial truths being spoken about other people. The slander, the gossip, the campaign ads telling you all the things wrong with a person <laughs> and why you should be against them. This is not the way of Jesus. So to start off, I want to read from Ephesians 4. For the sake of time, I'm just going to read the first six verses. So you should read the whole chapter on your own because it's a beautiful passage on unity with each other and how to build each other up. We must remember that where the Spirit of God is, there's unity. God does not have a divisive nature. His Spirit definitely does drive away anything that's not of Him because His presence is holy. And the amazing thing is, is that His presence is our inheritance in Him. And the love we experience in knowing His presence is what changes us. The division that does occur through His Spirit is one that drives out in us anything that's not of Him and replaces it with His incandescent love and grace. We are called to be unified in the Spirit, not quarreling, not casting, or even thinking negative remarks, but being filled with so much love that it overflows in all our interactions with everyone we come in contact with. So yes, His Spirit divides, the only thing he's dividing is the enemy from us out of his love and protection. He doesn't divide us against each other. There's a major difference here. So it shouldn't matter who you're voting for and who someone else is voting for. If we approach these situations with mockery and insult, then it's our own heart that needs to be brought into alignment with Jesus. This is incredibly important especially in a cultural moment where there is so much slander. We can think that just because someone's on a TV screen, they are less of a person to us since we don't know them personally. But just like you and I, they are made in God's image. <laughs> so when we slander them, we're slandering the one who loves them and made them. Instead, we have the opportunity to partner with heaven and pray for them speaking their identity over them through our prayers on their behalf. This is so amazing that we get to do this because this is what the kingdom does. This is how we should be acting. And it's such a place of honor that we get to do this with Jesus on someone's behalf.
Okay, so Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says, As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank given to you in your divine calling. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. I like that part. (laughs) Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. Being one body and one spirit, as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one, and so are we. For we share in one faith, one baptism, and one Father. And he is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. I feel like I'm kind of jipping us by not reading more. But these first six verses set the whole thing up because it goes on to talk about maturity as a body and not being swayed into deceptive beliefs, receiving the gifts that Jesus gives each of us to walk out in his grace, and finally maturing in the Lord. Towards the end of the chapter, verse 29 says, And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead... Let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Hateful words are out of place for the bride of Christ. It is not our character to partner with hate or slander. It is our place to partner with the truth that Jesus speaks over someone. And speaking truth is not condemning or criticizing someone for what they are or aren't doing. I would even say that when a critical thought or word comes out, it's a partial truth about the person, right? Because even if they're partnering with a lesser truth about themselves, which then gives way to unhelpful actions or habits, it isn't actually how Jesus thinks about them. And if he's not thinking it, then it's not actually true. (laughs) And when we don't speak in the character and voice of the Holy Spirit, it leaves the other person feeling misunderstood and hurt. There's a big difference between the condemnation of the enemy and the conviction of the Spirit. When the Spirit convicts us, we should feel our hearts leap with joy, knowing that the truth we just received has opened our eyes to the greater freedom and abundance that is ours. It's a beautiful reminder. When the enemy condemns us, we feel guilty, confused, downcast, and angry with ourselves, others, and God. We might want to change, but don't know how, because as far as we know, we're too dirty to be able to anyways. Or at least, we think we are. (laughs) We've tried time and time again to change on our own, but it doesn't last. Our eyes turn inward to ourselves rather than to Jesus, who has finished and defeated the very thing that is now staring us in our face, telling us we're not good enough for something better. Condemnation wants to dig up what Jesus put in the grave. He sealed it. It's gone forever. Conviction removes something from our vision that doesn't belong there. 
It's like getting a pair of glasses and finally being able to see details we weren't able to see before. We're reminded, oh yeah, I'm free. I don't have to fear. I don't have to give in to sin to feel whole. Jesus has completely healed and restored me. He's everything I need. He completely fulfills all my desires and he's good all the time. Condemnation turns us inward while conviction lifts our hearts to the Lord in freedom, praise, and thankfulness. We have to remember that Jesus already won. If we're not operating out of this truth, especially when speaking into the lives of others, there will be an attachment of negativity to our words. If we're speaking anything other than Jesus, it's not the truth. If we're speaking anything other than the gospel over someone, it's not the truth. His words always speak the better word over someone. And the enemy loves when people don't feel worthy. He's in the business of destruction. And if he can't literally kill us, he will try to destroy our relationship with Abba through telling us we can't actually trust him and that he's not good. He will try to keep us from knowing how prized and loved we are by God. And he'll try and destroy our relationships with each other. And a sure way to destroy a soul is to make it feel like it's already lost before it's even begun. This is why speaking truth over each other is such an honor and is so powerful and a beautiful place to be in. Because the ultimate truth we're speaking into someone's lives no matter what the specific word of encouragement is, is that Christ is glorified. He reigns and that he's so in love with us. And he's a good king. He's the best one ever. <laughs> the thing about speaking truth is that it partners with God's prophetic words, which is really just his encouragement and him revealing his heart to the person you're speaking to. We are to call out the treasure we see in each other this is what prophesying is. We have to partner with who Jesus sees the person as, not with what the person's current view of themselves actually is. There's so much more wholeness that's at their fingertips than they realize, and we're here to create an atmosphere of safety for them. And I'm so tired of watching the bride believe the lesser truths. When we receive the lesser truths as our identity, we walk out in fear rather than worthiness and love. And what we walk out in is what we carry. And what we carry is what we spread. And what we spread is what creates the atmosphere all around us. We get to reflect his love by embracing them in their weakness, just as Jesus embraces us. And when we receive this truth for ourselves, it becomes second nature to spread it all around. Prophesying isn't just for the people in front of us. It's the words that Jesus is telling you every day. How he sees you, how wonderful you are to him, and all the amazing things he desires to do with you. And I feel like we're living in a time when people know the truth in their minds, They've heard the gospel preached and taught thousands of times before, yet there's a disconnect. There's a deception that's creeped into the church and is telling the bride that she isn't worthy or lovely enough to be able to receive all that Jesus has for her. 
so she's sliding into compromise, thinking that the world's values can be good enough for her and satisfy her desires. Our honor is to tell people of the abundance of the kingdom, making it clear that they're seen, that they're loved, and experiencing Jesus is the only thing that can save and satisfy our souls. This is where prophecy comes into play. It is the new wave of preaching the gospel. We are so desperate for identity, so desperate for love, so desperate to know that we're worthy. And the only way we're going to step into that is by knowing Jesus and what he says about us. Everyone is searching for the truth, and no one's searching to feel condemned or wrong. We're searching for identity, love, worthiness. And we must stand in agreement with heaven and speak heaven's songs over each other, because Jesus rejoices over us. I think people are tired of hearing the empty gospel of Jesus died for you because you're full of sin. <laughs> like who wants to turn to something or someone who sees them like a filthy garbage can? <laughs> Not me. The gospel is that he died because of his great love for us. To pour out his worthiness over us so that we would be able to sit in the heavenly places with him. And when we speak and pray over someone, we're speaking to someone who is seated in the heavenly places with God. We are speaking to someone who God holds in the highest regard, his child, his co-heir. This is the identity we get to speak into someone. This is the message we carry. This is how Jesus changes the world. And this is what the world needs. It's how God desires to connect with the world, by bringing it under his wings and lordship, by showing us that we're loved. So let's pause and take a minute. Ask Jesus to bring someone to mind to speak his truth over today. It could even be as simple as giving them a really big hug. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you're so worthy. You're so worthy of our minds, hearts, and our souls being completely consumed by you, by your thoughts, by the way that you perceive things. Consume us, Lord. We are yours. I hope you enjoyed this fifth episode. I'm excited to talk to you soon.